Welcome to the Venture Fizz Podcast. I'm Keith Klein, the host of our show. In this podcast, we interview the most fascinating people in the tech scene. This includes lots of discussions with founders, investors, and operating executives. For today's show, I interview one of the top executives in the Boston area who has a proven track record at leading growth initiatives at venture-backed companies in Silicon Valley, New York City, and of course, Boston. His name is Brian Manning, and he's the VP and head of growth at PatientPing, a healthcare technology company in Boston. Brian has a really, really interesting background. He has a unique ability to lead both sales and marketing teams to create a growth engine. At ZocDoc and NextJump, he built out successful businesses, and he's focused on doing the same at PatientPing, which is backed by leading VCs like First Round Capital, Andreessen Horowitz, F Prime Capital, and others. In our interview, you'll hear about Brian's background, how he's able to succeed in a role that is usually handled by multiple people, his thoughts on creating a growth strategy, and lots more. By the way, if you're looking for new opportunities, make sure you visit our biz pages. From there, you can explore over 200 of the fastest growing companies in the area, and then cruise on over to our job board, where you'll find over 2,500 jobs across all job functions and all levels of experience. Okay, without further ado, here's my interview with Brian Manning of Patient Pain. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today on our podcast. Thanks for having me, Keith. It's great to be here. Yeah, I was excited to talk to you because you've done so much throughout your career. Um, and I guess just to dive right in, why don't you walk us through your background? Even I like to go far back, like even going back, like <laughs> where did you grow up? What did your parents do for work? And kind of those you know, first jobs straight out of college. Yeah, I grew up in, uh, in Boston area uh, and went to college in Boston area. Um, I, I graduated in 1999, right in the middle of the dot-com boom and uh, joined a startup here in Boston. Uh, and quickly moved out to San Francisco to Which open. It's a company called Next Jump. Um, oh, so that was the okay. So you yeah, I don't know if they're still around here. They have a big office here in Boston, based in New York. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, went out there. I uh, really jumped into the beast of startup world. You know, being in the Silicon Valley at like the age of you know twenty one or twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, crazy startup experiences. And then, uh, you know, since then I've done kind of growth work for a variety of startups. Uh, across uh, e-commerce, healthcare, um, mostly in, in, in really in three cities, in Boston, San Francisco, New York, um, mostly in sort of network effect marketplace type businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work I've done is really sales, business development, customer success stuff. Um, the thing I'm really passionate about and thing I really enjoy is to, to take a product into a market before the market's really ready. Right. Um, and uh, kind of s- innovation uh, selling, you know, into into large enterprises. That's that's something I really like to do. And I think really in the last six or seven years, I've really focused in on healthcare technology and using healthcare technology to, um, you know, solve big problems in healthcare. And that, you know, that's what we're doing at, at Patient Ping. Um, so that's been my career. Lots of ups and downs and lots of fun. Um, <laughs> right. So the, the dot-com bubble burst and then... Uh, you've been exactly. in multiple ecosystems across, you know, Boston, San Francisco, and New York. So you've seen a little bit of everything, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, you know, just kind of sticking in, in, into the weeds of your background a little bit more here. You've done a lot, and you lead a lot now. Like you do a job that some companies probably break up into other VPs or whatever level yeah. of executive experience. Yeah. What was the foundation of your career from the early beginnings that led you down the path to be able to run sales, marketing, customer success, growth? Yeah. Well, I started out in sales, door-to-door sales uh, in Boston and then ultimately San Francisco, and then quickly moved into sort of a, a management position where I had a P&L and was responsible for 
you know, a, a division of the company, really the Western, the West Coast part of uh, the company, a revenue and a PL for the company. Um, and that was where I started. And then I moved into a, a B2C business, actually, also in San Francisco. It was actually the first online uh, rental roommate referral service uh, in uh, on the West Coast. Um, and eventually got disrupted, actually, by Craigslist. They came along uh, and did what we did for free. Um, and so I got a lot of good experience in kind of, uh, you know, B2C, the B2C business, uh, doing that, driving user acquisition, you know, driving repeat visits, uh, managing a, a large uh, customer service team or customer success team. Um, and that was sort of my experience uh, out on the West Coast. And then when I came back, I, I did a quick thing in biotech, uh, a company called Bioscale in Kendall Square really helping the the CEO raise money and helping kind of uh, you know begin to commercialize the technology they had they had built uh, then went to business school um, then uh, moved uh, to New York uh, and actually went back to next jump um, and was there for for about five years and did a bunch of different stuff so business development ran their uh, employer division and kind of their account management team ran a sales team for a while and so I just had this sort of uh, really nice, you know, wide range of experience in, you know, very competitive, disruptive um, environments. Uh, and I, you know, I was kind of really, you know, well set up to, uh, you know, to, to do ultimately what I did to patient. I did, actually, then I went to <laughs> the whole, the, to, to kind of fill the story out, I went to, uh, I moved to ZocDoc and uh, in New York City, uh, which is also a healthcare technology startup, started their uh, enterprise business, uh, did that for about, about four years uh, before I come into patient ping. Right. And next jump, what, what was their business model? Yeah. So next jump, they allow big brands to get access to uh, consumers and employees of large organizations. So for example, if you're an employee of Goldman Sachs, say uh, you get access to discounts on Brooks brothers and Cole Haan and, Banana Republic, right? Deep discounts, you know, just for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the same token, uh, you know, like Mastercard, for example, could offer a, a platform, a similar platform, uh, to their cardholders. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then Nextjump kind of sits in the middle, runs the technology, takes a cut of the transaction, and so it's a fun, really smart business model. Um, works really well. Uh, and I ran the employer division there, so I was responsible for getting more companies like Goldman Sachs. To, to offer this and then ultimately driving user acquisition and retention and spend and those sorts of things. Got it. Okay. So yeah, like you said, these network effect companies. So this is a double-sided market, not a marketplace, but there is a customer yeah. that was you, you were leading. And then there's obviously the companies providing the deals. So there's two sides to the model and you were running one side of it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yep. And those are fun businesses to build because you have this, you know, like we have it at, at we had a ZocDoc and like we had a patient ping is that sort of network effect where every node that enters the marketplace or the network, you know, a- adds more value to the marketplace or the network. Um, and it's a fun way to, you know, to grow a business. So I've been, I've been really focused on, on businesses like that. And ZocDoc is uh, one of the, the large venture back companies in New York. Yep. Um, what stage were they at? Were they at? And from how I know what they do, so they're you know basically uh, rating your doctor, right? Yeah. Well, it's the best way to think of it is open table for doctors. So okay. you do get you do get ratings, but you can actually then book an appointment as well. Okay. Um, which I won't get into the weeds, but it's very right. very difficult to build out that sort of technology and experience. Um, and so they built it as incredible work that they did to to build that out. And I joined uh, the company was probably. 
uh, maybe three or four years old. The, the, the technology was working. They brought it to market with independent providers, built a really large sales team uh, focused on uh, a field sales team focused on uh, getting, you know, one doc or two doc or three doc practices to use the platform. And what they wanted to do was to build out an enterprise division where they would sell to large hospitals and health systems. So, you know, in, in Boston, to think, you know, Partners Healthcare, um, Beth Israel Deaconess, th those size type type organizations. Um, and so myself and a colleague, uh, I was recruited to go over there by their uh, CFO, who was formerly at NextJump. Uh, and uh, a colleague and I uh, really started that business and, you know, went out and figured out the pitch, the story, um, the ROI, why a hospital C-level person at a health system should care about this thing. Um, and then, and then, you know, really scaled it from there. And what, what I think is interesting is you were building a startup within a startup, right? So you have this venture back company that's scaling, growing with their primary business. Now they're like, okay, we need to get enterprise level customers. And they brought you in to start this unit within a startup. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That was, that was sort of the fun part where, you know, it's just the two of us to start. And then, um, you know, when I left, I um, mean, all in the team was probably 30 people. It's probably 60 people now. I'm not even sure. Right. Um, and it's the ma major part of their uh, major part of their revenue now is from these health systems. So it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a startup when the startup, you know, we had this little corner office kind of separated from everybody else um, <laughs> where we were kind of, you know, mad scientists kind of figuring out what the, the story was. But, you know, we had the support of, you know, a, a, a larger, you know, organization, it's still a startup, so it's not too large, but right. um, we did have sort of some support that was, that was really helpful. And what brought you to patient ping and what does patient ping do? So, yeah, so a lot of things brought me to patient paying. So, uh, well, I'll start with what we do. So we are a, a care coordination platform that allows uh, healthcare providers to seamlessly coordinate care. And so we do that through what we call pings. So if a, a provider that's managing a patient, if their patient goes to the hospital or has some kind of healthcare event, uh, we can send them a notification to let them know about that. Um, similarly, we have a product called Stories where a, a provider that's treating a patient um, they get instant context on that patient. So um, uh, care instructions from other providers, visit histories um, to really get kind of a full picture of who this patient is. So the, the, the company is really about, you know, you have these patients that may be sick or elderly or frail. They're seeing 10 or 15, 20 doctors in a year. Those doctors are a team, but they don't know they're a team because they work for different companies. They use different software. Um, and so what we're really, and, and as a result, you get all kinds of bad outcomes, you know, higher costs, you know, uh, people, uh, stay in the wrong setting too long, duplicate procedures, all kinds of bad things happen when providers aren't able to collaborate. And so we have a platform that allows them to share information, um, and, uh, uh, and collaborate and work as a team as opposed to individual silos. Got it. And one of the things that we talked about earlier was how you've built the foundation of your career, which leads us to what you're doing today. Uh, most companies I see have what you do in different leadership functions. So there's a VP of marketing, there's a VP of sales and you know, VP of customer success. Yeah. When should companies think about combining that into a growth role like you're, you're, you're in currently? Yeah. So we, we do have a VP of customer success. Neil actually just joined us who, uh, who's, who's awesome. Okay. Uh, I, I do run. Um, so we have a, our sales team. We have a couple of different sales teams, uh, provider sales, payer sales. Uh, we have a government relations function. 
uh, obviously sales operations and then marketing. And yeah, all that rolls up into me. And I, I, you know, I think, um, it, you know, I think it depends on the stage of the company. I think in the early days when growth is really, you know, all in some ways, the, the only thing that matters when you're getting your feet off the ground, I think it makes a lot of sense to have sales and marketing really well aligned and really, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think as you grow, um, in some in some cases, I think it makes sense to split it off. Um, and so at some point, you know, we may we may do that. Um, but I think you know, I actually think of sales and marketing as not all that different. Um, I think of sales as kind of one to one, and 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 marketing one to many. Um, and and the motions and the way you measure them and the way you you know pay them and 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 that sort of thing are are, are different. But ultimately, you know, you're really trying to do the same thing, and you're trying to get to the same you know ultimate outcome. Um, so, you know, that's worked for us so far and, you know, uh, it's something, you know, we're always kind of looking at, but, um, it's worked pretty well so far. Since you joined the company, how have you structured your team to support those efforts? Yeah. So those are the, each of those is those things I described as a, is a division. So we have a, a provider sales, payer sales, uh, kind of growth operations, um, marketing and government relations. Um, and we've started, we've just started to put, um, kind of leadership uh, within each of those functions within the growth team. Um, so we just hired a, a, we actually promoted a guy to run our, uh, our enterprise team who sells to large health systems. We hired a guy, uh, recently, um, who runs what we call our mid market sales team. Um, and we'll start to add leadership across each of those functions. Um, you know, as we, as we go, but the, the, we definitely kind of kept them sort of separate kind of divisions within the division, if that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a founder and I'm thinking about, um, you know, let, let's hypothetically, I'm early stage, you know, could be C, just kind of getting started and building out this marketplace or network effect, effect type of company. And I catch all these terms out there like growth hacking and, you know, all these different things that seem like they're just trying to figure out a way to create the network effects. And this yep. growth hacking term has come into vogue, right? So, what should founders be thinking about if they're just starting to build a like a, a market, whether it's a single or double sided, and approach growth initially in the earliest days of the company? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, focusing on on enterprise businesses, um, you know, I think uh, you, you really want someone that's done it before. Um, and when I say done it before, I mean a couple things. So one is really has sold really sold innovation before, right? So not something that's a product that's been around for a while, but something that, you know, was a PowerPoint slide and they were able to get it into the market. Um, I think that's a really, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, and if you find somebody that can do it, you know, you're really, you're really lucky. Um, so I think that's important is, is, is you have to see a kind of a, a little bit of a track record around selling innovation. I think the, uh, the, the next thing is you're looking for someone that can scale um, because if it works, you're going to grow fast and um, you, you, you need someone that can sort of uh, reinvent themselves at different stages of the company as, you know, different things become important. You know, I always personally think about it as the thing I try to do is, uh, is really cannibalize myself. So, you know, when I came in to lead growth, there was no one, there was no growth team, you know, it was just me and Jay, our CEO actually doing the, you know, doing the deals. So I was a salesperson really. Um, and I had to focus on that and make the pitch work and get the ROI right and, and get the process right. And then I had to hire people and became more of a sales manager. 
Um, and then as I've added, and I had to, and, and then I had to kind of reinvent myself again, as I've added divisions and added leadership, uh, you know, un, 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 under me, um, to be more, you know, more strategic. And it's more about the vision. And it's more about kind of the, the longer term, you know, thinking, you know, two, three, four quarters out, as opposed to, you know, this week. Um, and that's, again, that's a hard thing to do. Um, and, uh, one thing is a hard thing to do just cause it's, it's, it's difficult, but, but it's also, it's, it's, um, it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways to cannibalize your own work. Right. Um, and so, uh, those are two big, that big things I look for. So someone who's open to sort of scaling with the company and can scale with the company and also, uh, someone who's really sold innovation before. And to expand on that point, so sales and marketing is really hard, especially if you're selling into a market that is brand new, there is no incumbents, right? You're, uh, evangelizing this new disruptive way of doing something like wh what's the best way to approach that like how do you actually get sales for that stage of a of a business yeah it, it it's it's hard so i think the the first phase is friends and family <laughs> meaning um start with people that are 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 friendly that you know that will that you're not actually trying to sell to that you just want to run your story by you want to run your pitch by you want to understand, you know, ROI, those sorts of things and, and, and really just test it. And I think it's, you know, get their guard down. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm really here to understand and learn if this is something, if there's a, you know, if there's some kind of product market fit here. Um, then I think, you know, there's kind of multiple steps here. Then I think while you're doing that, you're, you're searching for the person within the company that you're selling to that's going to get a bonus if your product works, right? Like who's going to really benefit? Um, if your product works, then I think you're thinking about ROI and, and how do you, you know, if the, if, if it sounds like a good idea and people like it and thumbs up you when, when you give your pitch, like the next order question is like, can they actually make money on it? Right. And starting to map out, you know, the ROI. Um, so getting the story, right, finding the right person to sell to, that's going to care about this, getting the ROI, right. And then getting the process, right. And, and figuring out how to, how to do that quickly. And all of those things are separate sort of work streams um, and, you know, obviously, you know, difficult to do, you know, particularly in enterprise. When, when you're looking at the the marketing aspect, you know, part of growth is um, experimentation and trying to figure out what channels are going to be most effective to reach your potential customers. Um, what things have worked throughout your career that uh, maybe weren't the obvious? Well, yeah, you know, um, Particularly in healthcare, I've been focused on healthcare for a while. You know, you know, doing kind of crazy experiments um, is risky. You know, these people are, um, you know, uh, they're doing serious work, and and yeah. you know, and one thing I think that we I have you know focused on uh, from a sales perspective, and our team I think does a good job of focusing on is um, being very open to the fact that this might not be the right solution for you, um, and. And you're sort of, in some ways, as a salesperson, you're actually, and, and a marketer, you're, you're, you're searching for the no. And, and you're, you're searching for, you know, th th again, this isn't, this isn't good for you or this isn't the right time. Um, and it's sort of that genuineness and that um, kind of rather than seller to buyer type, you know, um, dynamic that can be somewhat stressful at times. You're two business people that are having a conversation um, and this can be a conversation one-to-one -one or a conversation through the marketing materials that we put out, you know, as a, a, on a, on a mass level, it's, it's really two people having a conversation about whether or not getting together and partnering, um, will be of mutual benefit. 
And I think it's that sort of, um, that sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, not, 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 not pushiness, but looking to learn rather than sell that I think is an approach that has worked really, you know, has worked really well throughout my career. That That's such great feedback because it's uh, like, so I think some companies do follow that principle of more of a consultative sale that will kind of naturally happen versus yeah. a features and benefits sale that, you know, this is what we do and this is what you need when your customer has no pain. Like I remember years and years and years ago, I, you know, my a company I worked for gave me Sandler sale, sales training. And the one thing that I did take away from that was no pain, no sale. If there's yep. no pain, they're not going to buy. Right. That's so right. you can't put a widget in a round hole if they don't want it. Right. So it's uh, that that's that relationship building, solving real problems is such a key aspect to sales, especially when it's an enterprise sale, right? Where this is a large uh, dollar type of deal for the company. So it's just got to make sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so as you've, you've been building out your team, um, wh what qualities do you look for in your people, whether it's sales, marketing, like how do you go about hiring? Yeah. So the four things I look for, I tell everybody this, <laughs> are, um, are grit, adaptability, curiosity, and humility. Um, you know, so when I, you know, when I'm evaluating people and interviewing people, uh, obviously I'm looking for their experience and their, you know, their skills and their track record to make sure that they can do the, do the job. But then I, I really do try to spend a lot of time focusing on those intrinsics. Um, and that I think it's really important in, in startups. Um, you know, there are a lot of people where, uh, great, really talented people where a startup is just not the right environment for them. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think that the traits that I've seen that work are, are really that grit. So, you know, you're going to fail right at this, like when, when you start in a startup, you're going to fail no matter what. And so what happens, how does that person react when they fail? Um, I think humility, you know, willing to be wrong and change what you're doing, whatever you're doing when you start, it's not right. And so you got to be willing to say, I know it's not right. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, iterate it. And then uh, along with that is obviously adaptability. Um, and, uh, you know, the job you have today, the work you're doing today, the story you're telling today, as it changes, you need to be able to change. And then, and then finally, um, curiosity, um, and just people that are, you know, when they, when they see something they don't know, or they hear a word that they don't know, um, you know, they go right to Wikipedia, <laughs> you know, and read the full entry, right? right. Like yeah. the, the, those people, you know, do really well. Um, so those are the, those are the kind of intrinsics I look for kind of regardless of role, actually, I, I really look at those things. Yeah. And once someone has, uh, joined your team and, uh, like, how are you uh, measuring their effectiveness? Like, how do you how do you set goals for your team? Whether it's business goals to individual goals. Yeah. So we have you know we use the OKR system. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think came out of Google or Intel. Um, where objectives, key results. Where each quarter uh, we have company level objective, key result objectives and key results. Um, so you know an objective. What do we want to accomplish? And then the key result. How do we measure it? Uh, and then those flow down to each team and then they flow down to an individual. So everybody in the company knows, um, and I've done this at other companies as well. Um, here we do, we actually manage this process, I think particularly well, but every, every, uh, person, uh, in the company has quarterly objectives and key results. So they know exactly what they need to be focused on and what is success for that quarter. So, you know, for a, for a salesperson, obviously there's a, uh, you know, there's a quota, you know, or, or a number, a metric they're trying to hit from a sales perspective. 
Um, but we also focus on uh, two other areas. So one is development. So what's your objective for your own personal development in that quarter? Um, and then what's your objective around scale? So what are you going to do? What are you going to produce that's actually going to help the rest of the team, but also help us do it better next quarter, right? So rather than just selling, 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 like let's learn and let's let's apply that. Um, and then on the on the on the marketing side, you know, the metrics we track are, you know, it's really um, uh, inbounds and awareness. So you know, we're producing lots of great content. We're doing a lot of PR. We're doing a lot of different activities that drive attention. Um, you know, uh, we're doing um, what else? Are we doing events and things like that that drive attention to us and our brand. And that can, you know, in some ways, it's not a perfect metric, but can in some ways be uh, a leading metric there is, is, is inbounds um, uh, that are actually coming and saying, hey, I want to buy a patient pink. Like, that's a good way to know that we're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the other is awareness. So, um, you know, web traffic, Twitter followers, LinkedIn, LinkedIn followers, um, those kinds of things. We watch that stuff really closely. You highlighted earlier that, you know, healthcare, obviously, it's a unique industry. You know, it's obviously people are working on serious problems. Are there um, particular channels that you found successful from a marketing point of view that do bring in those inbound opportunities? Yeah, for for though I should say the overarching kind of point with a with a network effect business is that the community actually becomes your lead gen. Um, and uh, you know if you're a um, if you're you know one hospital in in Boston, you're going to benefit uh, greatly if uh, your fellow hospitals are on our platform. And so there's sort of a built-in incentive to, um, you know, to tell each, tell your friends, right, or tell your, you know, your your colleagues or the or the guys down the street. So a lot of the stuff that we do is about trying to fuel that and you know make that go really really fast. Those are the best channels for us. Yeah. So just for you personally, you've got this track record of working for venture-backed, high-growth tech companies, patient ping. You know, backed by Andreessen Horowitz, Google Ventures, first round, SV Angel. Like these are, you know, uh, firms that don't invest a ton in Boston. They do periodically. But uh, you're obviously in these companies that are well capitalized and on this rocket ship mission to build something that's a massive company. Why do you keep doing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm at a point in my career where, uh, you know, it's not about sort of my own personal, you know, role or my, or, or money or, or, or anything like that. It, it, to me, it, it's really about, I've gotten to a point where it's really truly about impact. Mm -hmm. um, and like, what impact are you making as a company? You know, what impact are you making on an important problem? Um, and that's really how I, that's really kind of what gets me excited. Um, and, uh, you know, which keeps me sort of, you know, fulfilled uh, from a from a professional perspective. And I think, you know, when you're when you're solving a really important problem, which is, you know, the lack of coordination in, in healthcare, which I would argue is potentially probably is the biggest problem in healthcare in this country, the lack of, you know, really good coordination. When you're when you're working on that, it it, you know, and you're trying to close a deal or you're trying to get, you know, new customers to come to you, um, it it's it's very easy to put in the extra effort because you're, you know, you're not just closing a deal and getting a, you know, getting a commission or, or you know, a pat on the back. You're actually um, really helping people um, and really solving a, a, a big problem. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's the reason I keep doing it is impact. I think that's probably the simple answer.
And is that why you transitioned into healthcare from, you know, Next Jump was providing a really cool service that benefited employees, but you transitioned into healthcare. Was that kind of your thought process there of making more of an impact to the world? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, and there's, of course, you know, if, if there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing, you know, advertising and marketing and e-commerce right. and things like that. I mean, obviously the, in many ways those add a lot of value, but I think, um, yeah, I think the outcomes are a little clearer. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in a sort of, sort of a mission driven, um, organization, um, and really, you know, I've kind of gotten, I've kind of gotten a little bit, a little bit hooked on it. Um, and you know, you look at these, you know, in, in, in another industry I, I, I find interesting is, you know, ed tech, um, which is obviously there's a lot going on in, in Boston in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at these, you know, you look at these gigantic, you know, these gigantic problems, um, that really need, you know, good technology and really need to be fixed. It's sort of like, it's sort of this, a lot of people, this isn't just me. I mean, I hear this with our engineers and I hear this with other people within the company where they're just sort of frustrated that it's such a mess, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, they, and they don't like things that are a mess and so they want to fix it. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's a nice place to be. Well, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing out there? Like marketing is constantly changing. It's evolving. Um, the marketing technology landscape is just, thousands and thousands of different options yeah and they all claim that they're helping marketers somehow some way you know content was key for a while and that still is but you know things evolve and change uh, so when you're looking at both your marketing and sales teams what are the challenges you see ahead for people leading those organizations and any advice on how to overcome them yeah I think the biggest thing I see is that the buyer is so much more informed than they used to be I mm-hmm. mean there, there's so much transparency in uh products and what works what doesn't out there whether it's you know uh, social media or you know just the internet or whatever um that uh i think sellers marketers salespeople need to focus much more as you you actually alluded to it the earlier the the problem mm-hmm. um and the size of the problem and education around the problem as opposed to sell 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 you know um you know, I, I, it used to be like there's this model uh, around sales where sales 1.0 was was basically you'd go in and you'd say, my product's great. My product's great. Pitch, 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 pitch. And then you'd have have objections and I'd answer your objections and I'd win. And then and you'd buy. And then sales 2.0 was that sort of consultative sale, which is sort of, um, you know, uh, rather than just sell, 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 you're sort of acting as if you're a consultant and asking a series of questions that are going to walk you into wanting my you know, wanting my product. And I think sales 3.0, and I think the smart sales organizations now are, are thinking about sales 3.0, which I think is much more about like problem. Like what is the problem? Because a lot of cases, particularly in startups, when you're selling innovation, they don't, they don't actually know that they have a problem and they definitely don't know how big the problem is. We find this all the time. Um, and I think that, uh, and so what you become is less of a salesperson and more of an educator. And I think that's an important transition um, in sales in general, where the good, the, the good ones are going to focus much more on problem education and then allow them to sort of fall into the product. And they may not fall into your product because you might not have the best one. And if you don't, that's going to, people are going to know that. Um, I, I think that's, that's really, that's really the way to go. And I think with that, I think this is a, a really positive thing is that, you know, net promoter score and delivery, um, and actual, you know, uh, uh referrals, is is so much more important now, you know, than it was, you know, maybe ten years ago. So, uh, I think the smart organizations are adapting to that. Yeah, no, definitely. How do you keep um, 
you know, who do you learn from? Like, who do you admire? Like, how do you stay current as it relates to the industry and learning what to do or what not to do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I read a ton constantly. I mean, that, if I could give one piece of advice to someone doing the stuff I've done, it's read, 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 read. <laughs> so what are you reading like books like shoe dog or you, you like reading blog posts or consuming podcasts? Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, so I use, uh, you know, I use Feedly, uh, the app, uh, where I pull in blogs from, uh, you know, marketers, v VCs, uh, healthcare, um, uh, people that are writing about healthcare, healthcare publications. Uh, I use you know, Twitter. I probably follow 500 people on Twitter that are relevant to this, the, the stuff that I do either in healthcare tech sales, marketing, um, I, uh, yeah, I read a lot of books, um, about this, you know, about this space and about, you know, what's, what's going on out there. And actually the, the other thing do I do is I actually have a, my own blog, um, where I write about some of the stuff that, that, you know, we've even talked about, um, and actually writing really helps me get more clarity on, uh, on some of these issues. I, you know, in order to write it out, you got to kind of think it through and really understand it in a, in a really good way. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time. This is awesome. Definitely learned a lot. And um, you know, I always like to turn the mic back over. Uh, you obviously mentioned that you blog. So how do people find you and find your blog and get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So um, my my Twitter uh, is uh, BC Manning at BC Manning. Um, it's M-A-B-C-M-A-N-N-I-N-G. Um, and my, my website is uh, bryancmanning.com. Uh, um, and you can find uh, all kinds of stuff there. That's great. And of course, Patient Ping is hiring and there's lots of great job openings uh, that you can find on their VentureFizz biz page plus their own career site. So lots going on at Patient Ping these days, which is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we're uh, we're hiring. I, I, I can't think of a, uh, a team that is not hiring rapidly right now. So I think we, I think Jay, our CEO had mentioned uh, we want to hire uh, about 100 people this year. Wow. Um, vast. Yeah. Vast majority of those people in, in, in Boston. So yeah, please, uh, if you, if you're interested, please, uh, you know, check us out, obviously patientping.com. Um, uh, we got all our careers up there and you can learn about, you know, the work that we're doing. Um, uh, and even watch a video, they'll help you kind of understand, uh, how the, how the technology works a little bit better. So please do, please do check us out. We're looking for great talent. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Brian. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Well, that's our show. I hope you found it useful and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get future episodes. Also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all really helps us out. Last but not least, don't forget to visit VentureFizz.com, the most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.